Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. This show has pre-recorded interviews that were created on Thursday, March 25th, and Friday, March the 26th, to be aired on Monday, March the 29th. 2021 at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Live in Austin, Texas on KOOP 91.7 FM and streaming live at coop.org. You can listen live each Monday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time at koop.org. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. This is our 49th post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Pedro Gatos and bringing light into darkness Monday news and analysis since we began broadcasting on Co-op Radio in 2002. Has been investigating and seeking to present genuine truth-seeking perspectives of how U.S. foreign policy impacts majority populations around the world. We also seek to identify other human-generated behaviors that either create or aggravate human misery outcomes in the world that by definition are preventable and therefore reversible. Over the past 18 years, our record speaks to the veracity of our reporting. The impact of U.S. foreign policy in the world, on the world, population, is unrivaled in reach and in impact. Our presumption is that the U.S. population is a compassionate and social justice-driven people, that if we know the truth of the matter, we support policies that promote the most fair and democratic outcomes. The problem is too often we are misinformed by our government and our mainstream media. Therefore, this show is dedicated to critically evaluating all information before accepting it as believable and as worthy for becoming the foundation for building our worldview understandings upon. Tonight, we turn our attention to the Co-op Radio's month-long International Women's Celebration. On the last Monday of March 2021, International Women's Month, we want to first I'm bringing light into darkness, pay tribute to Oscar Romero, who was assassinated on March 24, 1980, by U.S.-backed interests. Archbishop Romero was guilty of being loyal to his religious beliefs and calling out the brutality of the Salvadoran government and the $3 billion support of the U.S. government to that brutality. Our show tonight returns, though, to our focus all month, which has been connected to the welfare of women throughout the world. Oxfam has had two important reports over the last two years highlighting the disparity in wealth and the disposition of the exploitation of women throughout the world. In 2020, they came out with a report that documented how women and girls put in 12.5 billion hours of unpaid work every day. That included walking miles for water in the continent of Africa, for instance, so that they can clean and cook. This also included getting firewood for those same purposes, taking care of the elderly. Basically, Oxfam reported that women often bear the burden of essential unpaid work that allows 
the incredible and unconscionable levels of wealth accumulation by a select few. Oxfam goes on to document that women's unpaid care work has a monetary value of $10.8 trillion per year. So these two Oxfam reports, one in 2020 and one in 2021, also document the COVID-19 crisis and what it reveals to the critical eye, but for whatever reasons is not reported by Western press. The Oxfam reports show how the the world economic system is enabling a super rich elite to amass wealth in the middle of the worst recession since the Great Depression, while billions of people are struggling to make ends meet. It reveals how the pandemic is deepening longstanding economic, racial, and gender divides. Women are hardest hit as women are overrepresented in the low-paid, precarious professions that have been hardest hit by the pandemic. Women also make up roughly 70% of the global health and social care workforce, essential but often poorly paid jobs that put them at the front line and therefore put them at greater risk from the COVID-19. According to the Pasqualina Curcio, March 22nd, 2021 article, today, while the high-income countries are vaccinating one person per second, the majority of countries have not even given a single dose of vaccine, according to Oxfam. Of the 128 million doses of vaccine given to date, more than three-fourths have been administered to just 10 countries that represent 60% of the world's gross national product. Almost 130 countries with 2.5 billion inhabitants have not even begun the vaccination process, according to the World Health Organization. It is estimated that by the time we are six months into 2021, only 3% of the population of the countries with fewest resources will have been vaccinated. And in the best case scenario, only 20% of these people will have been vaccinated, according to Oxfam. The U.S. has received 25% of all available vaccines in the world, and the EU countries have received 12.6%. Yet the United States population is only 4 to 5% of the world population. It begs the question, why as leaders of the democratic world, why are we not doing everything we can to immunize the whole world population during this COVID-19 crisis? Instead, we led efforts along with the European Union, the other major neoliberal governments, to oppose a proposal made in October 2020 by India and South Africa to the World Trade Organization. What was the proposal? It was to exempt vaccines against COVID-19 from patent production and intellectual property rights. It included the signatures of another 100 countries. The United States and the EU followed the arguments of the pharmaceutical multinational corporations with the argument that they employed time and time again is that these patents are the only way to guarantee that there is an incentive to invest in research and development. But that is a provable falsehood. And as a result of the profit motive ruling the day once again, Billions of people of the world have not even initiated in their countries the vaccination process. The fact is, is that the financing for the research does not even come from private pharmaceutical industry sources. It has been governments such as ours that have historically made available the financial resources. The National Institute of Mental Health gets money from your taxpaying dollars. And with that money, the basic research is often completed by our taxpaying money. And then the pharmaceutical companies come in and harvest profits from that research basis. It also combines it with the institutional uh, contributions of universities, also largely paid for by non-pharmaceutical company investment. The fact is that it's been governments that have historically made available the financial resources, and it has been these universities and important public institutions that have developed the research that later the pharmaceutical industry has appropriated. This according to an article by Pasqualina Curcia, C-U-R-C-I-O, on March 22nd, 2021. The article goes on and indicates 
that of the $13.9 billion appropriated for COVID-19 vaccine research, governments have contributed $8.6 billion. NGOs have contributed $1.9 billion, while private pharmaceutical corporations have allocated only $3.4 billion, barely 25% of the total. We should note, in addition, that the vaccine has a guaranteed market. In fact, as of December 2020, the so-called developed nations had already pre-ordered over 10 billion doses. In other words, these corporations do not pay their fair share of the costs, yet they get the greatest and guaranteed market. The U.S. pharmaceutical corporation Moderno developed a vaccine against COVID-19 with 100% public financing, receiving $2.5 billion. The pre-orders amounted to 780 million doses at a price of $31 per dose, which will generate earnings of about $24 billion of U.S. monies. Pfizer and Biotech, also U.S. companies, received about $1.9 billion from government sources, about 66% of what they spent on research. 1.28 billion doses were pre-ordered at an average price of $18.50 per dose, which amounts to earnings to about $23.68 billion. AstraZeneca, Oxford, owned by English Capital, got pre-orders of 3.29 billion doses, which will sell for $6 each, receiving earnings of $19.74 billion, but 67% of the $2.2 billion it spent for research was also from public resources. Johnson & Johnson has orders for 1.27 billion doses of vaccine selling at $10 per dose, producing an income of $12.7 billion. They have invested $819 million in research, of which 100% was financed from public sources. Returning to the World Trade Organization, it is an organization that has 159 members. That's pretty much the whole world. It gives advantages to the wealthiest nations because it is the wealthiest nations that pay in the most money based on their share of the world market. But they also then control the vast decision-making, including these patent issues. A critique of the World Trade Organization indicates that it has ruled that it is illegal for a government to ban a product based on the way it is produced, such as child labor. It has ruled that governments cannot take into account non-commercial values, such as human rights. It has no respect for the environment or anything that gets in the way of profit making. Many of their decisions are made behind closed doors with multinational corporate interests, most often trumping national sovereignty interests. The WTO is a profoundly undemocratic institution. And President Obama, when he was supporting and advocating for the TPP, these same undemocratic rules were being mimicked and nobody really knew what was going on behind those closed doors. Pro and uncritical WTO advocates will quickly indicate that global trade has consistently grown between 1% and 6% per annum over the past decade. However, what is not mentioned is that wealth inequality has skyrocketed during that same period. It doesn't make any difference if the overall world economy is growing, if the overwhelming percentage of that wealth is going to a select few. This is the deceit that's kept from honest and interested U.S. citizens. And it is in this context that we introduce our show tonight with three segments. Our first segment is with the esteemed Texas Senate representative of Travis County and Bastrop, Senator Sarah Eckhart, along with Co-op's own P.J. Pullis, host of Tex Chromosome. Our second segment is with Lynn Cowles, a member of the foundation community and advocate for those in need. And our last segment is with Reshmi Chowdhury, who shares some insights on the recent killings of the South Asian women in Atlanta last week. We are blessed to have these outstanding women tonight 
So enjoy. Welcome. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. This is your host, Pedro Gatos. I am delighted to have two guests and one, Senator Sarah Eckhart. First of all, Sarah, thank you for making time to visit with us tonight. Well, I'm super excited to be on the radio with Jay and with you, Pedro, since we used to work together at the county. <laughs> I've been with Joe for a long, long time. Yeah, I, I wasn't quite in your pay grade, though. But, uh, but, but, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, no. I, 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 you know, that I, discrepancy that, between men and women, Pedro. Yeah, it's the, way, it's the way it should be. The people that, that earn it should get it, and the people that don't shouldn't. Anyhow, with all that being said, I did want to indicate that this is a compendium of, of like four shows that we're combining in this last two or three days of International Women's Month. And uh, in International Women's Month, we've been celebrating women's issues. But in fact, our other guest, PJ Pullis, who we are delighted to have on the show as well. Welcome, PJ. Thank you for having me, Pedro. Oh, absolutely. She will be hosting Reflections of Community Outreach and kicking off these four shows on Monday the 29th. We're actually pre-recording this show on Friday, March the 26th. The Rocco show will be followed later that night by the broadcasting of this show, Bringing Light into Darkness from 6 to 7. And then Tuesday on the 29th will be Civil Rights and Wrong from 6 to 7 with Michelle Manning and Bob Daly. That's their show. And then finally on Wednesday from 2 to 2.30, Lynn Cowles and she and Greg Ciotti produce and will be producing an In Touch interview show. All of these shows will be connected by the themes of women's issues. Anyhow, let me properly introduce our guest. Sarah was Travis County judge, uh, actually becoming the first woman to hold that office and she was with the commissioner's court for 14 years before that. She was elected to precinct two. She also, for seven years, worked for the county attorney's office, which prosecutes cases at the misdemeanor level, C, B, and A misdemeanor level. She was there at a very special time. I think the family violence courts were starting to be born, if I remember correctly. But she prosecuted those cases in DWIs and other misdemeanors and I'm sure with the family members of these uh, protective orders and battered women, there's probably just a lot of good but challenging experiences she has. As we mentioned at the top of the show, she was elected back in July of 2020 to become Travis County and Bastrop County's Senate representation in the Texas Senate. So it's just it's just wonderful to have you here. Also, we're really blessed to have Penny Jo Pullis. Penny Jo is an artist. She's a singer-songwriter. Uh, she's a studio session vocalist, and she she's been with the Community Council at Co-op Radio doing community outreach for the last year and a half or two. And too many things to actually go over, but she's multi-talented and I think a choreographer of amazing events. And one of those, which I want to ask you to kick the show off with, PJ, is the Womanifest. We just had the anniversary this past week of of an amazing event that I hope we can reproduce in the future. Absolutely. I hope that it will become an annual event, even though this year we're celebrating our groundbreaking event that we had last year. Uh, we were so lucky to have Senator Eckhart as our MC, who at the time you said was the Travis County judge, first woman to be elected to serve. We were not even sure she was going to be able to make it that day because she had such a major role in rolling out the COVID plan for Texas. But she did make it, and it was it's a, it was wonderful. So, well, Manifest was a women-centric nonprofit networking concert. We connected volunteers with female-centric nonprofits 
and we featured female artists all day. And, of course, you know, there we are doing the best that we can. It was the last day that KOOP was live broadcasting on the air. We've been home crafting since then. And it was also the last day that music was kind of normal. Clubs, all everything shut down that next day. So what a beautiful way to celebrate. We might not see each other for, and who knows how, how long it was going to be, but it was extra special for me to have the first woman elected as Travis County Judge, who is now Senator Eckhart, as our MC. And Sarah, you just have always, you're my, you're my hero. You're my heroine. And you have done so many good things for Texas, and, you know, you come by it honestly. I, I just am so proud to call you my friend, A, and also that you are taking care of us gals here in Texas. Ah, Penny Joe. I mean, we're all doing what we can do. Like, every single one of us have to do what we can do, because goodness knows we're living in a very strange time where people have, people have weaponized and instead of figuring out how to have creative conflict and explore ideas and, and our differences. We're just villainizing one another. Mm-hmm. gotten um, so strange. So I really appreciate programs like this that bring people together. Even when we disagree, disagreement is what makes us, it gives us variety. You can have respectful disagreements and there's great, great information that comes out of that. Can I just throw in a a question for you, Sarah? Because I was really impressed with your fortitude of trying to address something that we really didn't know much about. This is like, as PJ indicated, this is just at the very beginning of the COVID crisis. And and you were in a position where you were leading the county's efforts or part of a team, I should say, that was leading the county's efforts. And, you know, I think about the the shows that we've done about women this this month, at least on this show, and and we we highlighted a couple of Oxfam reports. And we talked about how Mm -hmm. women and girls according to the Oxfam 2020 report that came out in January of, of, of 2020, women and girls put in like 12.5 billion hours of unpaid work every day from fetching firewood and water. And, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, the unpaid care was another $10.8 trillion a year, according to their, their scientific methods of calculating all of that. The point I'm just trying to get to, we got the hard, hard edges of a world that's so unfair in so many ways, and there's so much inequality, particularly wealth inequality. And if it wasn't for women, I just cannot imagine how many more people would have profoundly shortened lives or even a life. But in that context of kind of a macro context of the world, coming back down towards Travis County, what were your, can you share the challenges and in fact, maybe even share where you think we're at right now with this virus and trying to manage it? Sure. Let me start sort of at 40,000 feet, maybe not as high as as worldwide women, but there are three major components. The three greatest things that ever happened to women in human history, I would say, are reproductive health care, the ability to manage our own reproductive systems rather than being managed by them. Second was public education, and we've seen that play out in other parts of the world where uh, girls are not allowed to go to school. And the third thing is the ability to vote, women's ability to vote. All three of those things are being rolled back in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to be very, very vigilant of that. Those three things are absolutely crucial to women's full participation in our community, in our society, in our world as leaders. We must have reproductive health care at a minimum. I'm not saying this is it, but (laughs) we definitely have to have reproductive health care, public education, and access to vote. There's a myriad of other things as well, but those three are so crucial, and COVID-19 has really highlighted uh, access to health care in a big kind of way. Yeah, I was trying to do some research and get some 
some background on you. I didn't mean it to sound like that, but I did notice that, and I was re- re- really impressed with the work. I think I think you're a board member of the Texas Freedom Network. Yeah, yeah, and they do a lot of work around the women's issues, defending civil liberties and all liberties. And Cecile Richards, of course, she was the founder of it. But I just what? yeah yep. yeah. So I, I wasn't able to look at the research papers, but there were some links to some papers that were connected to the you know public education and those types of things. I was really shocked to see that seventy percent of the kids, and this is, I think, a 2019 paper, were people of color, you know, students of color. And I was thinking, is that because that's a combination that we're changing in the state of Texas, but also are the richer kids going to more private schools? Are those things that have made it more difficult to get the the money and the the resources to our public education sources? Uh, Yes, there has been a big push toward charter schools by the current leadership in Texas. And I think it's a push to charter schools, the push to suppress voter access and the resistance to expansion of Medicaid is on some level and perhaps unconscious <laughs> motivated by a, a fear that those in power are losing power, mm-hmm. that those in power will somehow lose power if it's shared with, with all of us, which I think is fundamentally undemocratic. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, this is a super delicate topic. Nobody is a villain in their own narrative. So I'm trying to understand what folks are afraid of when it comes to adequately funding public education, adequately funding health care, and mm-hmm. making it welcoming to vote. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be just so anti-democratic to have all these different tiered ways of getting educated where some people obviously don't have the luxury, nor would they necessarily want to, to uh, pay a private vendor for something that taxpaying money should be guaranteeing, which is everyone an, an education through college. I think what underlies that, for, you know, for better or for worse, and I'm no more expert at this than, than either of y'all or any of our listeners, but it appears to me that a plausible explanation for this is a fundamental misunderstanding that if you already have these things and access to these things, that it means you're somehow more deserving and that those who don't have access to it, it's somehow their fault. Right. Now, I think the three of us and those who listen to Co-op Radio know that that is not really how the world is. The world is unfair. The world is not inherently cruel. So this is something we have to struggle against. And particularly as women, and I don't, the men in the audience, it takes two to tango, and we're always going to be half of the population. But as, as women and men who love women, really, we don't have full participation in the full elevation of the human race until we have at least public education, reproductive health care, and free and you know, welcoming access to vote. Everybody's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, Penny, jump in at any point. I just wanted to, I just got so many questions for you. but I- You guys might might as well have been talking Greek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask the senator... You've been a county judge, you've been a county commissioner, and now you have moved to the Texas Senate. You're obviously someone that is passionate about trying to improve the livelihood of majority people, including women, of course. And I'm just wondering, are you finding your feet there? And are there certain things that you're starting to gravitate towards because you think you can get something done? Or how how has that experience been for you so far? Well, you got to deal with, with reality, you know, and the reality of the Texas Senate is <laughs> it, it's pretty tricky, but people are just people. And I have said, no matter how hard it gets, nobody is an enemy forever. And so if we, if we sit down and we try and understand one another, we may still not agree, but we're that much closer to a sense of belonging and moving forward together. This is a hard road to hoe up in the Texas Senate. <laughs> I won't lie to you. But... Hey, 
just because it's hard doesn't mean it ain't worth doing. Right, right. I can't think of anybody better to tackle it, Sarah. I don't know if I'm well, allowed to say that on the air or not, but in my humble opinion. Thanks for saying that, but I tell you, it really takes every single one of us. So, you know, we've got some bad bills that are going through the Texas Senate. I don't mind telling you. I, I'm Actually, it's my obligation to tell you. I am your public servant, and so one of my jobs is to inform you that there's some bad bills going to the Texas Senate. So, whether it's Texas Freedom Network or the ACLU or uh, the League of Women Voters, there's so many good organizations out there. And their watch list for, for bills that are going through the Texas legislature so that you can send emails and you can show up and give testimony if you've been vaccinated or if you've already had COVID and you have antibodies. But otherwise, I would just send your email. Uh, but really, do get involved. It, it does make a difference. Don't, it, don't ever doubt that efforts of one person does make a difference. So, again, sure, and maybe in the future, we can get Senator Eckhart. So, well, Manifest was a women-centric nonprofit networking concert, and she can actually stay longer than 15 minutes. And we would love to have you there for the whole time, because you're such a music fan. I'm, I'm such a music fan, and we're also going to figure out how to do some more music once we get past COVID and we get enough people vaccinated. We're going to... Party like it's no tomorrow. I do have a 30 that I have to go to. Okay. But so may, I, may I leave y'all with one thing? And I want to come back on. Please. Talk about more stuff Please. at some point. Um, but I do coffee jolts every Thursday morning. So if you go on my Facebook page, coffee jolts are free form. They truly are a coffee hour. Just sit down with a cup of coffee in front of your computer and let's talk about politics. Mm-hmm. Um, no agenda. You bring your own stuff. Tell me what my assignments are. And then uh, about every two weeks, I do a policy pint in, on Thursday evenings. That are, It's a deeper dive on particular issues. You're going to have a criminal justice one uh, uh, coming up. So do you have a website address, too, that you want to share with our audience in case they want to find out a little bit more about what's what's keeping you so busy? It's my Facebook page. So uh, okay. if you go on Facebook and search Sarah Eckhart, my politician page pops up, and it has links. And you can look at my past coffee jolts and policy pints or um, sign up for a future one. Very good. Well, Senator, thank you so much for the past work you've done, and, and we look forward to the future work you do. Yeah, and I want to come back on this when I've got more time to, like, sit and hang. Yeah. I, I, I miss you, PJ. <laughs> I miss her, but, but Pedro is the smarty pants. Actually, I would I, like I, to thank you again for participating in Manifest. And um, again, I, I feel so comfortable with you in the driver's seat. I'll talk to you all so much. Thank you so much. We now turn to our show's third segment with Lynn Cowles, community activist par excellence. 